Guys, I just need a timestamp here. I just caught a Charmander using the Go Plus. <laughs> I caught a Ditto yesterday using the Go Plus. <laughs> it is. It is nine. Tw- it was. It must have been about nine twenty-two a.m. Sunday, December fourth, twenty sixteen. That is spectacular. All right. Well, so, I made a timestamp, but it's to cut this part out of the show. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, it's episode one, two, three of Future Chat. We made it. What? In ternary, I think that is That's six. Like number. I don't actually. No. <laughs> I've never, uh, I've never done any kind of ternary. Like, there's binary, right? That's the one everyone knows. I guess this would actually be quaternary if we have zero as an integer. This is getting off the rails so quickly, Nick. Yeah, oh yeah. I, oh yeah. We're just. We're gone. I didn't want to do the one, two, three thing as like as that as that kind of trope of when you get to a, a number like that. So I tried to go really complicated and I screwed it up. Can I be can I still be excited when we hit four, five, six? Yeah, of course. I, oh, excellent. That's gonna be several years, but maybe even a decade. <laughs> Details. <laughs> Details. We got this. Uh yeah, Mike is currently not here. He has said no. that he intends to join us at some point, but we're not exactly sure when. And fortunately, we have a small east meets west corner that uh, yes. that we wanted to discuss. So I guess we can do that now. We, we'll maybe get Mike's input if he shows up, but otherwise we're just going to go for it. Yeah. So the news broke this week that the Trudeau government approved Trans Mountain Line 3 and put the kibosh on Northern Gateway. Mm-hmm. And I was I was stoked. <laughs> okay, hold on, hold on. I, For the people that don't know what these are, because even I barely know. Okay, <laughs> these are these are oil pipelines. Mm-hmm. These are oil pipelines designed to. Ooh, because pipelines can transport a whole, whole bunch of stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. But I think the primary purpose of these, I wait. <laughs> okay, wow. This just we're off the rails. It's going to be already. oil, right? Yeah, but I can't remember if line 3 is new construction. Okay. Oh, yeah, it it should be. Okay. Okay. Yes. So they gave approval to those two pipelines and rejected Northern Gateway, which not shocking news if you've really followed the politics of it okay. because that was basically the Liberals campaign promise was to block that one. Uh, yeah, they didn't like Northern Gateway because it goes through a protected environmental area. They like Trans Mountain mm-hmm. almost, well, due in part to the fact that there is already a Trans Mountain pipeline there. What they're doing is, it, if I'm understanding correctly, is they're twinning that pipeline. Okay. So they're running like a bigger diameter pipe right beside pipe that's already there. So I guess that way, when you, at either end, you don't really have to change the infrastructure. You're just, they're, they're almost operating. Cause once it's, it's like Keystone XL, yeah. which Keystone is already there, but Keystone XL will be a bigger pipeline that's going right beside Keystone. Okay. Again, if I'm remembering correctly, I might be wrong <laughs> because I don't do nearly as much re- research as I should for this show. <laughs> also, we decided that we were going to talk about this like 10 minutes ago. Well, it was in the notes, but. My my big thing was that I had always heard that, and maybe this is just my my kind of internal bias on policy, was that in terms of environmental impact and climate change and that whole deal, we were not supposed to be relying on fossil fuels anymore or trying to minimize it and to sort of be building these expansive pipeline projects kind of goes counter to that goal. But I guess Canada's economy kind of depends on it to a certain extent pipelines are bad okay <laughs> no and that was my that was my thought so i wanted to be told whether that was actually kind of just my biased thinking or whether there was like whether there's a certain truth to that that maybe we should be relying less on oil and pipelines might not be the best idea f- for the future overall well I mean, you're not wrong mm-hmm. I don't think in the far future fossil fuels are you know the cat's pajamas right but for now for now we're still kind of addicted to oil Mm -hmm. like if you just turned off the taps tomorrow the 
the world would not be a happy, friendly place. Sure. It would, I don't know if you've heard much about the OPEC oil crisis in the 70s. Yeah. But it was, it was a bad time. Mm-hmm. And so it, it just so happens that you, at, at the time, a couple of years ago now, you were very interested in this whole thing. And you specifically wrote a piece that you shared with us again about, and I don't want to go into the details of it because you said you don't remember. I barely remember having read it, but you were talking about the different ways of carrying oil and you, you made a, an offhand quip, what I thought was an offhand quip about how you wouldn't want, your argument was that you wouldn't want to put it on rails because you can have rail accidents. I sure don't want to put it on rails. Right. Um, I mean, I think we're in agreement that oil is not going to be the fuel of the future right. because at some point the energy spent to get it out of the ground is going to be more than the energy we're getting out of that oil. Right. Which, that's fine, that's fair. But like Trudeau says, for right now, there's no industrialized nation on Earth that just chooses not to drill when those, there's oil down there because there's such tremendous economic opportunity mm-hmm. in the oil. Um. And if you get, if you're getting oil out of the ground and you need to move the oil, there is no better way to do so than pipelines. Right. Um, and I honestly feel that the opposition to pipelines has to do with opposition to oil in general. Okay. Like, um, and there are arguments to be made about, you know, the kinds of oil and how much environmental impact there is in certain, you know, the, oil that the pipelines are carrying because uh the the oil that we get from northern alberta and potentially northern saskatchewan if they decide to uh to develop their oil sands Mm. it it's it's oil but it's got a lot of sand in there and it's sour so it has some sulfur content so it's it's not the nicest stuff to just pull up and work with sure so i mean all that aside you could, I mean, you, sorry, you could go with something like Saudi oil where you basically just stick a straw in the earth and this light, sweet crude starts spewing forth. Sure. A wild Mike appears. Hello, Mike. Is it light, sweet crude from, from Saudi? <laughs> Generally, yes. I don't know how sweet it is, but it's, it's definitely not as, it's well, not it's as not low sour. quality as it is here. Yeah. 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 Okay. Thanks, yeah, Mike. Right. Also, welcome. Yeah. But yeah, so. So the main thrust of my argument, like you said, you thought pipelines were bad because, you know, everyone thinks pipelines are bad. Right. But so long as we are pulling oil out of the earth and moving oil around the surface of the earth, um, let me give you a, a couple key figures that some researchers from the Fraser Institute came up with. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I get it. It's the Fraser Institute. I mean, but I, I'm assuming if they're working with actual numbers and if the numbers that they're presenting are accurate, then they probably have a point. Okay. <laughs> so they take the average billions of ton miles shipped per year, the average number of incidents per year from 2005 to 2009, and the incidents per billion ton miles, which, you know, fun units. Yeah. But you have to take into consideration how much you're shipping, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, of course. You can't just compare raw numbers of incidents because, you know, the amounts that they ship are wildly different. Right. So if you're shipping oil along the road, you can expect 19.95 incidents per billion ton miles. Mm-hmm. Which is mostly, which, if I'm understanding, an an effect of the fact that it's much smaller amounts per shipment. Well, it could be smaller amounts. The other, I mean, the fact of the matter is they're human drivers yeah. and... Have you seen human drivers? They're awful. Oh, yeah. And if you're shipping it by another popular model that they've been using a lot, especially when oil was really expensive, railway, you can expect 2.08 incidents per billion ton miles. Sure. Which is like a tenth the incidence. Which sounds pretty great. Until you compare it to a hazardous liquid pipeline, which is 0.58 incidents per billion ton miles. So while that infrastructure is more expensive to set up, 
and it's very specialized. Well, relatively specialized. Is it though? Relatively specialized. Is it more expensive to set up? I would to have a pipeline than to have a railway, especially if it's a, a hazard. A mi- railway or like roads. Roads are expensive. Yeah. And, well, any large scale them. infrastructure project is expensive. Mike, I think you might be the most qualified mm-hmm. of the three of us to weigh in on this. The only thing I was thinking about, I, like incidents per unit volume length oil is uh, that's, that's a good way to, to look at it. But I'm actually curious on more of a like volume lost per volume transported metric. Sure. Because like one tanker truck incident might leak at worst the entire truck's worth of oil versus a pipeline, which if uncontrolled for any significant length of time can be a lot more oil. Yeah. That is right? true. As- because <laughs> because they've had incidents where and it's terrible. It's like awful for the environment, but it's funny to think about it because they're like the control systems just don't work for whatever reason and there's this unrestricted leak that's been there for a while and they find it, they're like, Oh shit. <laughs> What's that weird smell coming from behind that tree? Oh, oh man. Oh no. Actually, fun fact, if there's a natural gas pipeline leak and you're looking for the leak, you're you're actually supposed to look for vultures mm-hmm. because methane is released, you know, symbolic yeah. of yeah. decomposition, de- decomposing right. animal matter, which vultures love. So if you if you're looking for a leak, you look to see if you can find vultures cuz they're like, "Oh, there it is." Yeah. So the other thing is pipeline incidents can also be very small. And I know in in the minor leaks, it'll be like uh, Shell Oil has discovered a leak, and it's leaked 500 liters. <laughs> it's like... Uh, yeah, that is the noise I like, make. I'm very shocked when I hear that news. It's like 500 liters is, like, not that much. Right, that's like a grocery store's amount of milk. <laughs> well, yeah, if you relate it to yeah, being... But it sounds a lot worse than it leaked two barrels of oil. It's like... Right. Okay. It's, you know, any leak is bad, but... Wait, you is to, a barrel 250 liters? I don't know. I'll, oh. We can, we can it's do some real-time follow-up here. <laughs> a barrel seems like not very much. I actually ran the numbers at one point, and I can't remember why. I think it was my okay. energy, so, energy return on energy invested. I was actually thing. pretty close. One barrel is 159 liters. Okay. Yeah. Very specific. Is it it's, 100 or it, some even number of gallons probably it's 158.99 <laughs> liters so it's probably some, however many gallons okay uh. so long story longer natural gas pipeline is 0.89 incidents per billion ton miles but honestly i feel like if you're opposed to pipelines you're opposed to oil and that's about it yeah like if you ask like i said to you if you ask the citizens of lac megantique how they feel about shipping oil via railway, I'm sure they'll tell you that they don't approve. Sure. Incidentally, for listen- listeners that might not know, Lac Antique was a large chunk of the city was destroyed after a uh, few rail cars shipping oil derailed and then exploded. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, I mean, I'm not sure. Like, I don't actually know whether they're full or empty, but I can look out with. A fair regularity, I can look out from my apartment and see the oil cars. Like, if the thing, if the train's full, a hundred cars potentially worth of oil, huh. potentially that I or that I would very much like not to be full and explosive. Right. It's only explosive if it's vaporized. Thanks, Mike. No problem. <laughs> um. So th- there's also I I wanted to mention the the rhetoric going around of well, we should be focusing on alternative energy sources, which I mm. do not disagree with. I, I think that's a very good thing to be focusing on. But as we had mentioned, as long as we are using petroleum products, not just for not just oil for energy or natural gas, but just petroleum products, clothes, clothes and Nalgene bottles, you're, uh, you're going to need oil and it's going to get where it needs to some way. So in the meantime, it's, it's better to have something that's reliable and easily controlled and predictable like a pipeline right. versus railway cars. Railway cars is slightly it's worse than pipelines but better than roads, I think. Oh yes. Um 
And the numbers, uh, the numbers back you up on that, Thank Mike. You. As we, yeah, as we previously <laughs> Thank you, numbers. <laughs> um, you can use facts to prove anything that's even remotely yeah. true. Facts, facts. But yeah, if, if it's practical to have a pipeline, then, then I think they should be used. Mm-hmm. Again, consider yeah. all other things considered, such as environment and social impact and whatnot. Like those things should be considered as well. Right. But you need to be reasonable about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I also dis- don't disagree with Elizabeth May's point where we should be focusing on much more upgrading and making new and interesting products with petroleum. Yeah. Because, like, yeah. you can make pharmaceuticals and the Pokemon Go Plus <laughs> with petroleum <laughs> products. So, but like, yeah. And Mike's point, I don't disagree that alternative fuels are important, but I mean, it's not as if we can just make an abrupt switch. Right. What I would really like to see is the, like, the Alberta already has a carbon tax. And at least in theory, the carbon tax is supposed to go to, like, a heritage trust sort of deal. And it sounds like the opportunity has just entirely passed with the new reality of fracking. Mm -hmm. But if you had totally funded that, like, the Alberta government could just be kind of living off of revenues right now. Right. Potentially. Had it been funded very well and you could also be using that money to research into alternative and new methods of energy generation energy transport and storage apparently suncor is actually huge into that it's just there's no money in it right now yeah and i was was actually this is a good point you bring up because a lot of people say that unless you force companies or people to use alternative fuels you're not going to switch but the market is a very good motivator for either staying on our current fuel sources or switching because if it's not worth a company's time or money to extract and produce the oil they're not going to do it like if, if, if oil's yeah. at 20 dollars a barrel like you're just not going to have people drill for oil and if the reason for that low price is either for an overabundance or lack of demand or both, then it's just going to take care of itself. I, I don't think you need to put these other restrictions such as denying pipelines or carbon tax, even for that matter, to mm-hmm. encourage a switch off of crude or natural gas. And I'd, I'd also like just a note on rhetoric. Um, there is a pipe called Line 9, that was put in place after the OPEC oil crisis. It goes from Alberta to as far east as Cornwall, Ontario. Cornwall, Ontario. Home of friend of the show, Liz. Well, near. Um, for, former home. Yeah. Or something. <laughs> Details. Um, but it took the oil from here to the, to the refineries in Ontario. And... It was put in place as part of the national energy policy. Talk to Albertans about that. You'll get some strong feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, but for, so for a long time that happened and it was fine. And then in 1998, it just so happened from the economics of the situation that it was cheaper to ship oil from east to west because of oil from the Middle East, I guess. And so the flow was reversed and that was fine. And then a few years ago, the situation had reversed. It was cheaper to move Albertan oil from West to East instead of moving Saudi oil from East Mm -hmm. to West. And the stink that was raised when people were talking about line nine reversal, like the national energy board fielded so many calls of people calling in and saying, well, I'm opposed to line nine. I don't want any new pipelines. And the response was always, it's not a new pipeline. They're just reversing the flow. Well, I don't like pipelines. No pipelines. Like, okay. (laughs) And if you've, if you've been exposed to any of the footage from like the tribunals that the national energy board does, it used to be that if you had, if you were a citizen and you had an objection, you could come to the tribunal and voice your concern. They've since reversed that. Because there were so many people that were not experts, that were not local stakeholders, like just, they had no reason to be there other than the fact that they did not like pipelines. And it took up so much time and so much effort and so much money 
that they were just like, okay, no, unless you're a local stakeholder or a technical expert, you do not come to these tribunals hmm. anymore. This is very complicated. Like as somebody who is one of those <laughs> yes, people, one are. of those people that said the phrase, I don't know if I like pipelines. I keep thinking and I just, I started down this train of thought and it led me to Google the term, um, what did I Google here? The term oil subsidies Canada. And it made me curious if there were, if natural gas, oil, fossil fuels were subsidized in Canada, because it feels like if we're trying to make the move to alternative energy sources, renewable energy sources, that we should probably not subsidize oil and natural gas. And it seems like there are subsidies, but it also seems like the people that are writing about how they're good have reason for doing so. Specifically, in one case, post-media related reasons for doing so, because... Again, along with pipelines, I get a bad feeling every time Post Media has an opinion about something. <laughs> so, Rob, I'll just if if I can just say yeah. something like, yeah, yeah, I don't want to repeat myself, but like the oil's gonna, but I'm gonna the do oil's it anyway. gonna come from somewhere. Right. It's gonna be used. It's gonna come from somewhere, right? Mm. So the the subsidies is to incentivize people to develop Canadian oil because, sure, like even like the past two years. So many companies, if they had the ability to, have switched, like, pull operations out of Canada. Like, they focused their assets right. into, like, Texas and Oklahoma and whatnot. Yeah. Or just companies have gone out of business because it yeah. just wasn't economic to produce oil here. Yeah. And that's still the fa- that's still the case. Like, it's a sure. bit better yeah. now that oil's around $50. Like, 45 seems to kind of be the minimum that companies are confident in investing money into developing Canadian oil. Yeah. So, Mike. Okay, yeah, go ahead. Uh, the Canadian economy depends very strongly on the position of, like, the price of oil. Would you yes. agree with that? Yes. It sure yep. does. And if the market got flooded somehow, or there was word that the market was going to be flooded somehow, the price of oil would probably drop as and Canada's already, economy would drop. As it already has. Exactly. So, <laughs> th- this led me down, because I was thinking yeah. back. Sorry? No, go ahead. I- is there a reason that that might be happening even more right now than it was i because i remember thinking back to a few weeks ago when we were we were mired in other conversations seeing a headline talking about a huge oil deposit that was found in texas the largest one that the united states had ever seen you have you heard about i I assume you've heard about this being in the field yeah what does that mean for like oil in north america Without context of how expensive it is to extract that oil and whether it's extractable in the first place, mm-hmm. that's its own it mean, thing. Means means very little. Means very until little. We know that. Yeah, because there's okay. there's a ton of oil in the ground. Like we don't. That's right. not that's not an issue right now. And the reason the price had and still is depressed is because there's just so much oil available. Okay. Just like any other supply demand right market asset okay. not asset whatever. Okay. Um, Commodity. Commodity. That, thank mm. you. That's the word I was looking for. Um, so new discoveries of oil don't mean anything unless it's like, hey, this is way cheaper to get out of the ground than right. anything else. And then that's when everyone's like, hey, I'm going to start drilling here. Okay. And that's why companies are focusing on certain areas in Texas is mm. because it is the most economic to extract versus a place like even Alberta. In well, some yeah, the parts. oil sands are yeah. notoriously difficult, right? They are, unless you have existing infrastructure. At that point, okay. it's just... You're just printing money the more you do it. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. So, there's parts of Alberta where you need, like, 60 or $70 oil for it to be profitable. Yeah. Um, Saskatchewan, there's places where it's closer to, like, 40 which is why a lot of people are kind of still having operations there versus other parts. Um, and then others just continue drilling where they are because they have existing infrastructure and they're kind of... I don't know if the right word is hedging, but they're just count, they're counting on it being profitable eventually. So they're drilling these wells in anticipation of it being profitable to sell it. Okay. Um, so to answer your question, no, the the new oil discovery doesn't have really any bearing on okay. on oil price or that kind of thing. It it kind of sounds like all of the and I guess that's fine. We've talked about this in the past, but all of these companies are playing a very short game. They're playing like a their lifetime kind of game. Depends or, not on the their company. lifetime, but a depends few generations on, down. Yeah, yeah, it depends on the company. Like a company like Suncor who have like these massive operations in the oil sands, 
like they're they have like 50 year plans so Correct. these blips are already kind of expected and budgeted for yeah so yeah. they'll just work through them like they'll make cuts where they can but it, they're not like oh it's low we're gonna shut down it's like mm. we'll just keep producing and we'll make the money back eventually right um Whereas, yeah, like a smaller junior company, they might just kind of cease to exist and then start up again once it's profitable. You know what would be interesting? If fossil fuel, like oil and gas companies, I guess is the way they describe it in this thing I'm looking at. If they got subsidies, they got oil subsidies if they were also conducting research on alternative energy as opposed to just flat out getting these right. subsidies. That. Well, I mean, like I said earlier, Suncor does a lot of renewable energy research. Yeah. Well, then they would be one and of the ones le- that do get at that. least in do at least in part to the fact that it's funny, but they actually could really use renewable energy resources. Mm-hmm. So, like, they can just pack up a modular solar farm or windmill whenever they go to a drilling operation, and when they need to pack up and leave, they can just pack up the energy infrastructure with right. them. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I've said it before that a company would be dumb to like a big company would be dumb to not be investing and researching in like alternative energies because absolutely they they are energy companies like they're not oil they are oil and gas companies but they're energy companies ultimately so the way that the world's going if they want to stay in business they're going to have to sell like a different kind of energy right um and they have the capital and the the infrastructure to do so even if it's not oil and gas um, you know, we've we've talked about geothermal on the show before and, and how you can literally repurpose existing oil and gas wells into geothermal wells. Mm-hmm. Right. So or like Nick was saying, you know, have these mobile uh, wind farm type setups where you can power your own operations or just whatever grid is nearby kind of thing. Sure. If you wanted to. Hmm. So what I'm getting out of this is my thought before was that oil and gas companies are playing the short game and not really thinking that much about the environment overall in doing the oil research. And now what I'm taking out of this is that maybe I'm also playing the short game too much and thinking that we need to kind of survive economically while trying to adapt to climate change needs. And so if I think out into a few centuries down the line, we will have addressed that concern because there are companies that are working on those things in addition to doing oil and gas drilling. And even the oil and gas drilling they're doing, they're trying to do it responsibly and environmentally consciously. Except in the case of fracking. Conscientious. It seems like fracking is universally pretty bad. It's not, though. It seems like it. It's not. It really seems like it. The rhetoric would tell that story, but it's really not. And and I I, I don't want to start going off on the fracking tangent. No, Maybe no, neither do I. That for another show, <laughs> but uh, it's if if I could just weigh in briefly, mm. like so far as everyone can tell, when you frack, it causes earthquakes. Can right, which seems okay. Bad. When you frack, it could cause an earthquake, which like at that point, it's a little concerning. But. It can be concerning a depending, A, where that activity is. I mean, if it's the Midwestern United States, maybe that's fine. Is that what you're saying? Because I'm, I'm okay with that. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually. saying if it's if it's not near a populated yeah. area where that, that earthquake or the, the seismic activity, because earthquake is even fairly melodramatic. Like, it's, it's seismic activity. It's, it's activating. It's, like, it's activating existing faults that right. that cause these tremors. Oh. That, that, that's that's okay. what the quote-unquote earthquakes are caused by this isn't like a you know a transitional plate slipping and causing a magnitude nine that causes right they're like magnitude like, two or three or this something. is like if if you feel it it's like three or a four. lot of people already live in seismically active zones that yeah. experience those every day those types mm-hmm. of things um like the fox creek ones in alberta they made the news two years ago or whenever it was and and those were larger than normal but again, like at the end of the day, it was kind of like a no harm, no foul type situation, mm-hmm. especially for the town of Fox Creek, who profits greatly from oil and gas activity. Not, not, not that right. they should be okay with the seismic activity in there, but it's not like they're in kind of innocent th- bystanders. Yeah. So to speak. if we're taking the other side to say, like, if we can get, if we can use hydraulic fracturing to get oil out of the earth more easily, yeah. we should. I, it, it does make me think that like people are talking about the 
west coast of North America being due for a superquake or mm-hmm. something, like some kind of large seismic event, it might be almost almost maybe scientifically good to actually reduce that stress with a with some smaller that's that's not what it's not the same zone that would be activated no no i know i know i'm not saying the same i'm saying you could potentially use something like that obviously there are risks and dangers of doing that because you might trigger a major earthquake but it seems like because what that's doing is kind of relieving stress between two plates or between whatever uh thing in the mantle is going on it could theoretically help, but it could also just unleash whatever has been already pent right. up. I think I think you're thinking of it similar to how you'll trigger mini avalanches so that yeah. a big one doesn't build up. But at this point, it's yeah, too far. It's too far. Like it's yeah. already built up. Like it's like if there's already a giant avalanche built up and you trigger, it will trigger the giant avalanche. Mm-hmm. It's not going to trigger a small one. Right. So in this case, you'd have to go back like a million years or whatever and and release it then, so it hasn't built up to the point it is now. Right. If you even could get deep enough to trigger some sort of size activity, because sure. I don't yeah. know how deep the, the fault is that they're that they're monitoring. Yeah. Nick, what's this link you posted? I now that we're talking about oil, I just I want to plug the this is that episode once again, where it was fresh off the I think it was something about Keystone XL was in the news, mm-hmm. and so this is that a satirical news organization went with a story on how an Alberta energy company wanted to use repurposed water bombers to deliver oil (laughs) rather than pipelines or rail cars. And it's just, it's a wonderful, wonderful story. And the, the original link I found that is just that story alone Mm -hmm. didn't work, but you can listen to the full episode at that link I posted. I cannot recommend it enough. I'll put it in the notes. Especially the last line where I think he says something. They say, now, what do you what do you think of, like, all the opposition to this idea of yours? And he goes, well, like, if people don't want oil to come from pipelines or on rail cars or this method, then I'm literally at my wit's end. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Well, uh, yeah, people can go and listen to that. I'm, uh, yeah, please put that in the show notes because it's it's yeah. just stellar. I love this is that. Kaya hates it. I love it because <laughs> it's so polarizing. So, like everyone in my family hates it except for me. <laughs> that's fair. Given our late start, I feel like it is worth um, going to an after show and following up on uh, a couple of things that we that Mike had wanted to discuss and then talking about uh talking a little bit i guess about more of the touchy-feely technology side of things like the actual personable technology side of things that that sound fair to you guys works for me i don't think this is about cell phones nick so i don't think there's any reason to raise your ire um okay so i just if we're gonna have a totally like frank discussion about mm -hmm. this you might also want to cut this out of the episode (laughs) can we actually talk about the nestle thing and also the the selfie story I have from like a month ago. <laughs> we can. Okay. Okay. Also, I've got some follow up from last night that I want to talk to you guys about. That can be an after show thing. Okay. Well, yeah. Nick, I, I think you would be interested to hear about it. Why? Okay. So, which one would you rather do right now this week? The selfie one or the chocolate one? Oh, don't make me choose. No offense, but I don't have much to say on the selfie thing. I think it's stupid, <laughs> but. <laughs> oh it's stellar <laughs> so what made you put it in the notes nick the selfie one i just thought it was a really cool development within technology okay so i guess we're talking about it <laughs> it Apparently. might not go very far but we'll talk about it researchers developed a tool like this can be a two-minute mm, conversation that's fine researchers oh, developed a tool <laughs> that <laughs> researchers developed a tool that uh, it identifies things in a photographic image, like steep drops in elevation or like sudden cliffs or drops, which, because there are so many people dying from selfies, apparently, like it's now in the hundreds where people are looking to take a selfie like on a cliff or climbing a building or something like that and then taking selfies there. And I thought the the title of the paper was kind of melodramatic. It was like me, myself and my killfie because, because selfies that sure. kill. Yeah. 
but it develops these red zones where like it could be potentially very dangerous. And so the idea they have for this app is that, you know, if you're trying to open your camera or Snapchat or whatever, it could take a preliminary scan of the image and then decide, no, no, got a bunch of red zones in this picture. I don't think you should be taking this picture and then just not allow you to take the photo if it's too dangerous. And it identifies that with 73.6% accuracy. Hmm. I mean, right away, I see some potential problems with this. It would require somebody to specifically look out for their own safety before doing taking a picture. And these people seem prone to not want to do that. Well, no, but that's the thing. Like, it would stop you from doing the stupid thing. Okay, can I say something? So, from... I thought you didn't want to. From the description of this app, it sounds like you have to actually open the app to check before taking whatever picture you're planning on doing anyway. Well, that's... That's what they have right. now, but the idea is that it would run in the mm-hmm. background or but preliminary it's to something It's kind of pointless else. to talk about that because that's not what it is. <laughs> <laughs> so as it is right now, you have to have the presence of mind to say, hmm, let me check if this is a dangerous situation. So one, if you have that presence of mind, you're probably not in a dangerous situation. Two, okay, Mike. if you have to ask, you probably shouldn't be there anyway. So if I'm Mike, hanging, you're if I'm hanging off a cell phone tower and be like, hmm, is this a dangerous situation? You're taking a selfie. Let me check my handy little app. Oh, oh, wait. Oh, I better scale down this tower I just climbed up. Uh, yeah, no, th- thanks, app. You you really saved me there. Mike, you're a father. I am. What? Could you state for the record your daughter's name and how old she is? In so much as you feel comfortable. <laughs> Her name is Emma, and she is four. Okay. When's the last time Emma did something stupid, in your opinion? I, I honestly wouldn't say she's done anything stupid. She, she, That's pretty good. She's she's a child. I've worked with children a lot, Mike. She's done something stupid, I bet, in the last 24 hours. It's not like... It's not like... she. This is a neutral she, she's judgment. She's thrown caution Stu- to the wind and <laughs> chosen to not heed my advice before. Yes. And that, that, okay. that probably happened okay. at least... Probably a week or two ago. Probably the last. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. Like, has she potentially injured yeah. herself doing yeah. something that you told her yeah. not to do? Yes, she has. Okay. <laughs> okay. So here's the thing, and I mean this as value neutrally as possible. Mike, children are stupid. Yes, I agree. <laughs> and they will do stupid I, things. I agree as well. I. But if there was a thing on the cell phone that said, "No, I'm not going to let you do this stupid thing that you're about to try yes. and do." You're saying that's not if valuable. That work, if it worked that way, yes, but it doesn't. So, Well, this is the preliminary work to make it that way, Mike. Yeah, well, if... If yeah. Ipsy Butts are candy and nuts, then we'd all have a Merry Christmas, Nick. Thanks. Can I bridge this gap? I was thinking of that exact quote, and you took the words right out of my mouth. So, Can I, can I, can I bring this together? <laughs> Why not? What if? Why not? What if, say Android, because iOS this is never going to happen, so it's not even worth discussing. What if for Android, you could put this app on your child's phone and it could run in the background, like you say, and just constantly be scanning and not allow camera apps, for instance, to open? Because it seems like before camera phones, before smartphones, before all this, people were still going to these dangerous locations. They just weren't necessarily taking pictures or weren't taking digital pictures. Right. Or they weren't like putting their back to a cliff and then taking a picture that way. There wasn't a semi-competitive, maybe subconscious element. Well, there was. It just wasn't, it didn't need, it wasn't necessarily dislocalized. It was very local. Like you'd have a group of friends that would all be like, oh, let's go climb this thing. Sure. Yeah. Say we did it. Yeah, but you didn't have Instagram with right. millions of followers seeing these pictures and saying, oh, I'm going to do that too. Mm-hmm. But and the other thing, so that's one thing. You could put that on Android and have it a thing that parents would install on their kids' phones. But there's also going to be so many false positives because I like the last time I, I can think of this happening, I went to Niagara Falls and I was standing there next to the handrail looking over a steep drop off towards the river where the falls are. It would flag that as dangerous, yeah. but I'm in no more danger than the other thousands of people there taking pictures that aren't about to dangle off the edge. Yeah. 
Well, like like Nick said, it works with what like seventy five percent accuracy. So one out of every four pictures would be a false positive, and you just wouldn't maybe be able the to other twenty five percent is railings. <laughs> railings? Yeah, maybe railings. But that that's the whole point, though. No, no, he's leaning against a railing. It's okay. <laughs> I would rather more restrictions be put up for signage and railings than there are. Then, then I would prefer an app that tells your user but that you can't take a picture. That's potentially spoiling a natural, a natural landscape or natural mm-hmm. beauty. I thought you were going to say natural selection process. <laughs> that too. <laughs> no, but I mean, yeah, it's not what I was going to say, but valid. Uh, so yeah, this the selfie thing. While it is interesting research, I don't know that it's particularly. Is it though? It interesting, not good. Interesting. It's fascinating. <laughs> It's 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 something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And here I had a cell phone story that I thought was going to be thrilling. Nick, I'm out. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not investing in your app. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! And there's only one dragon left, and he already said he hates this. <laughs> I need ninety percent. <laughs> uh, I'll give you ninety percent for ten thousand dollars. Nick, I'll give you 90% for $1. <laughs> Done. Sold. And then, then in the back room, I really value the experience that Mike brings to this project. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so, can, should we go to an after show now? Nick, are you okay? Do you want to talk about the chocolate thing too? Is that... I would love to talk about the chocolate thing because I the chocolate thing in the pre-show we held off talking about it. Okay, so you you're going to talk about this, and it's going to be another two minute discussion. That's this is what I'm hearing. Just for the record, then the chocolate thing is my story. I know that's what I mean. Yeah, (laughs) Nick didn't even put it in, but he's adamant about talking about it. I really want to talk about it. (laughs) Okay, Nick, tell us what what's going on with this chocolate thing. I think Mike should tell us what's going on with this chocolate thing. So, everyone's favorite food company, Nestle, has <laughs> has come up with a way to use, was it 40% less sugar or 40% of the sugar? I don't remember. 40% of the sugar. I think it's 40% Wait, less 40% sugar. 40% less. 40% less sugar for the same level of sweetness as they're currently getting from using the current amount of sugar in their products, um, specifically the chocolate bars. And they did this to restructure sugar they to quote unquote to structure sugar differently is how they're saying they they did this um this is where kind of the chemistry part comes in because there's structuring sugar has a very specific connotation when said in the context of chemistry um and and i think this is where you guys can kind of jump in and, and explain what this might involve uh but from my understanding, alternative sweeteners like sucralose and aspartame, they're also kind of like restructured sugar with stuff taken out or put in. They're specifically and, different. Like they were sucralose, for yeah. instance, is a sugar molecule that has a chlorine swapped out right. for one okay. different group. Right. But they're they're mostly carbohydrate, right? Yeah. Like carbon dioxide and techniques, but yes, that's yeah. fair. Um, so again, it's, it's basically restructured sugar, these alternative sweeteners, and you generally use less of that sweetener to get the same level of sweetness. And that's why sugar twin, those packets are like super tiny, but you still put one pack in to replace one pack of sugar Mm -hmm. in your coffee. Um, so in this case, they've restructured sugar so that they can use 40% less while still getting the same level of sweetness. Taste-wise, I don't know if it's supposed to be the same. They said they want it to be... <clears throat> they said they want it to taste the same. That's yeah. the goal. So, which is kind of the goal with any sweetener. And that's mm-hmm. why different people have different allegiances to, to alternative sweeteners. I think stevia is kind of one of the more common and recent That's just sweeteners. like a natural ingredient that also happens to be sweet. Oh, okay. So, that's not really the you same. S- yeah, stevia is, an, stevia is naturally occurring. It just happens to be incredible. So, you're saying it's not, it's not a chemical? But you're saying it's natural, but it's it's not a chemical? Well, they're all no. chemicals. <laughs> He's not wrong. Chemical is anything with a known I was, structure I was, or I was being <laughs> facetiously joking, but thanks. It wasn't funny, Mike. <laughs> okay, so do you guys want to talk about what might be, have been involved in this restructuring of sugar? 
I'd like to first talk about sucralose and just mm-hmm. say that it's like the way it works is it's kind of like designer drugs. Like, do you know how designer drugs work? I'm familiar with the term. I don't know how it works, though. Well, so you take something like heroin and then you just swap out one or two atoms and make it slightly different. But the idea being that when they outlaw heroin or insert illegal drug here, it's that specific chemical structure mm. that they're outlawing. Mm. But if you change it just enough so that it's not technically the same thing, but it still acts in the same way, like it's still whatever receptor is latching onto it, it's still acceptable for that receptor. Like So it's still having the desired effect. It's just not actually the same thing. So sucralose and other artificial artificial sweeteners are like that in that they will attach to your sweet receptors, but they're not like the geometry or whatever it is, isn't compatible with the human metabolism. So you can't metabolize it. So it just passes straight through you and technically has zero calories. Mm. So this is kind of like designer sugar. Yes. And, Mm. and on a more kind of, further taking it further you'd say it's like an alternative sweetener but they're calling it just a different kind of sugar well sucralose no, well sucralose be. is alternative this what the nestle's trying to come up with or has come up with sounds like it's also like an alternative sweetener but it's more just um like my sorry so my guess for what nestle did would be so normally um oh i'm forgetting the name now sucrose mm-hmm. yeah rob uh Sucrose tends to be table sugar, right? Yeah, it's glucose and fructose stuck together. Yeah, it's a disaccharide. So my guess, like this is just wild guess on Nick's part. Um, Having watched Alton Brown for quite a while now, I'm specifically remembering him making simple syrup for... uh, Cocktails? I think it was a a cocktail Mm -hmm. episode, actually. But he mentions in that that... If you sit and boil the sugar for a while, um, what happens is you hydrolyze the bond between the glucose and the fructose monosaccharides. And so what happens after that is you actually have more sweetness out of the sugar than you originally had Mm. because like one sucrose molecule is going to be received separately. Mm. And so you end up with more, more sweetness per what you've used there. And so my guess would be that they've just taken sucralose and hydrolyzed it and said, hey, look, for the same amount of calories, you have the same amount of sweetness. Mm-hmm. You have With more sweetness. More, Yeah, same amount of calories, more sweetness, so less calories, same sweetness. Yes. Yeah. So if you wanted to go for the same amount of sweet, sweetness, you could slash the, um, the raw right. amount of sugar that mm-hmm. you're using. Right. That would be my right. wild, hot, takey And so, guess. Nick, would you agree, because my assessment is similar to that, and would you agree that that process, I you wouldn't really construe as actually changing the chemical structure of the sugar, really? If we're just talking about hydrolyzing a bond, well, I would. Okay, say no, 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 but changing the chem- like the 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 Guardian article that we have here specifically mentions that it dissolves more quickly, which would suggest that that bond has been hydrolyzed. Yeah, yeah, and that while that is technically a chemical change. It's not, it's a reversible one, first of all. It is very low energy compared to the other bonds in the structure. I wouldn't really characterize that as a, as a real chemical change. It's more like just the process of dissolving it in water. Like dissolving in water would already do that. It just, it's like dissolving and heating. Yeah. Would already do you that. You have to heat it to hydrolyze right. the bond. Um, oh, where's the actual? There's no link to the actual. Yeah. I looked for an That's... actual thing too, and there wasn't one. Yeah. The Swiss food company, whose products include Kit Kat, Arrows, and Yorkies, said it has achieved the reduction by discovering a way to structure sugar differently. Did you, did you read but, it that way because it was The Guardian? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes, I did, Mike. Um, but, I mean, yeah, it's, it's not like a, a sucrose to sucralose right. jump. Right. It's not that kind of jump where you've made it a non-metabolizable. Right. No. A non-metabolic sucralose is perhaps not metabolizable. I'm not sure on that, but how often on this show have have we stopped and wait? Is this the word I want? (laughs) That's the word I want. We need we need a linguist for my for my purposes. Sucralose is still it's a much sweeter molecule, but it is still broken down by the body the same way 
sugar is sucrose is it's the is other it? one it is aspartame um, I, I forget if it's aspartame but i think it's, aspartame it's, is considered you know a laxative but yeah it's, it's non-digestible yeah and so your body doesn't actually process it it is very it is sweet but it just goes through your system it doesn't get digested yeah. and, and that's why it's locale this is why the article kind of raise more questions than it answered because yeah, it raises so many questions because they talk about sweetness but they don't talk about taste right and like you're alluding to like aspartame and sucralose are also sweet but, but they, ta- they taste they differently taste quite different so that's why mm-hmm. i'm wondering like well how different is this new restructured sugar right and it okay so you can find that out right now potentially like if it's the thing i think it is it would taste you take right. some regular sugar mm-hmm. and then you take some more sugar you boil that in mm-hmm. water then you taste the simple syrup you've just made versus the sucralose, right. and that would be the different so, taste. So why don't we use simple syrup to or sucrose? Why don't we use simple syrup? Simple syrup more to sweeten stuff like in baking or whatever. Well, because it's an extra processing step. Boiling things is very expensive on an industrial scale. It's boiling water specifically. Yeah, that's true too. So. Like it's, it's much cheaper to just take the cane sugar or the sugar beets and extract the sugar than to also hydrolyze right. the sugars. Cause the cynic in me read this article and said, well, this just saves them 40% of their sugar cost. Yeah. But that's why they're doing it for sure. Right. No, like that, that's maybe it's not cynical. It's just realistic. But if what you're saying is true, that it's fairly expensive to do that in the first place. I don't know how much, maybe just the economics work out that even with that added cost, they're still saving money. Yes maybe possibly i think they've found a way to do it efficiently enough that it's worth yeah. doing to save money right also i'm sure with the marketing campaign they'll yeah. make a bunch of that money back yeah well and it's not like they're not heating stuff already so maybe just even through like heat exchange they're able to make up some of that that cost it's maybe. very possible i don't know yeah they can incorporate the process like the, yeah. if you've ever looked at the process of how they make caramel bars it's insanely complicated to get the caramel inside the chocolate and make it all seem like it's one contiguous piece. The The chemistry and science that goes into making chocolate and making chocolate bars specifically is super complicated anyway. So I, I can imagine adding one step like that is worth it to them. Right. So I, having started this story now, I really feel like we have, first of all, as we mentioned, raised more questions than we've answered. And that we need to follow up on this now at some point anyways. That's great because it's a fascinating story. I'd love to sh- I'd, lo- I'd love to cover it, it more. It could be fascinating. It's tantalizing right now, but it might not be fascinating. Yeah. If it is just hydrolyzed, I don't think that's super interesting unless they do it in some kind of creative way. Yeah, well, listen to the guy who's not in marketing. Are any of us in marketing? <laughs> I'm saying like you don't think it's exciting because you're not in marketing. Right. Well, yeah, the the opportunity to say that our chocolate now has 40% less sugar in it is definitely an interesting marketing thing. But given that this isn't a marketing show. I mean, the show, only other thing I can think of, like, like it dissolves faster. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe they just ground yeah, up that, the sugar. That, well, that was my thought. It might yeah. just be a mechanical Powdered thing. sugar would also dissolve right. faster. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it is structured differently <laughs> in that the crystals are much yeah. smaller. <laughs> I hope it's not that, but it very well could be that. Yeah, that would be that would be just silly. Watch it that be I, it. Actually, yeah, it does say the new process is said to make sugar dissolve faster. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And it goes into no detail about the actual processes other than to say that they are patenting it. Interesting. Oh, if it's patentable, then maybe not. Who knows? Unless it's like a specific patent pertaining to sugar in chocolate bars. It doesn't actually say they got a patent. It says that they're <laughs> patenting it. Oh. Uh. You can try to patent anything. I really anything. want a Kit Kat now. Yeah. All right. After show time, I'm going to say yes. Sure. In that case, thank you for listening to this week's episode of Future Chat. You can head to unwindmedia.com slash future chat for past episodes of the show and so much more. See you next week. Ciao. Okay, Mike, you have 90 seconds to tell us about the iPhone 7 home button. (laughs) Okay. That, that's more than enough time. Yeah. I uh, I don't know if it was on this show or not, but I, I was having issues finding an iPhone 7 that had a working home button that I could try. Yeah. Since, since reading about it, that was kind of the biggest change, even more than the headphone jack, I think. Like, because people don't, I don't know. 
anyway unless you constantly plug something into your headphones yeah. headphone jack yeah exactly yeah. so i to, to me that was a bigger change was the removal of the home button mm-hmm. not that it's revolutionary because android's been doing that forever but they're uh they're implementing it in a way that's supposed to in theory simulate having a home button kind yeah. of like they still have the depression where it would be and when you press it it gives like a feedback. response like a feedback that's similar to a tap mm-hmm. and speculation was that it was supposed to function similarly the force touch trackpad that according to some people made you think that there was actually a click when yeah. there wasn't mm-hmm. in this case i i was curious to try it uh, not having had tried the the trackpad i didn't know what to expect but when i tried it the first couple times at best buy like the phones just weren't giving anything like there was no mm-hmm. tap no nothing I'm like okay well that's kind of weird like the button still worked it just wasn't giving any sort of feedback um talking to the employees like oh it's are you sure it's not working like they just didn't even know what it was supposed to do i think <laughs> so i'm like okay fine you guys are useless yeah. i'm gonna find actually it was your advice to like well go to an apple go store. to the apple store yeah and i'm like okay that's probably probably my best chance of finding a working working phone uh so long story longer i went to the mall where there was an apple store and tried it and when i first pressed it it, it felt like i was like squeezing the phone mm-hmm. and and the back like indented in like you know when you have like a cheap plastic product and you yeah. like press it and it kind of goes click like mm-hmm. i was like what the heck like is this phone broken so i tried it again i'm like cool's happening every time i press it even if i'm not pressing hard i'm like maybe that's like how it's supposed to feel and mm-hmm. and sure enough that that was the actual response that i got when i pressed the button and i wasn't a fan of it like at all mm-hmm. um maybe after having used it for an extended period of time, I would have got used to it or, or started to see that it was a nice thing to have. Um, I think Casey on ATP took a bit to get used to it. He, right. he hated it at first. Now he li- likes it. Yeah. I don't know if it's the same way with everyone, but I just, my first impression of it was that it was not a pleasant response back. Hmm. Cause you can also change the intensity of the vibration. Yeah. And and I think if if I were to use it and play with it more, I'd probably do a less intense tap, right. like tap back. What what's been your experience with it so far? Well, I don't. I guess you don't have a seven. I don't have a seven. I no. still have the SE, and I have tried it a few times now, and every time it seems completely inoffensive to me. I don't really like right now. My I use the home button sometimes, but like I have my iPhone set so that when I lift when i tilt it to an angle to view it the screen automatically turns on and i have it set that i don't have to actually press the home button in order to unlock it i just have to put my fingerprint on it and so i don't press the home button to unlock it really at all i only press it to close apps and like activate siri for instance so having used it it seemed to me like something that i would almost instantly be used to and it would just be no different than feeling the kind of press of the thing i have heard that it's it's weird to people and disconcerting at first because it it's it seems like it should just be the home button pressing in and you're not feeling that you're just feeling kind of the entire bottom half of the phone mm-hmm. shake a little bit but it's not even a shake though because like my android phones in the past and still does it it has a, a vibration like what you'd expect mm-hmm. a vibration i feel like it vibrates when you long press when you unlock right. like whatever this wasn't a vibration. It was it's like a ver- it's a very very short vibration, like yeah. so short that it's like two or three cycles or something. But it was like it was a tap, but it was right. it tapping me, and right. I was like, "What the heck? That was weird." Like mm-hmm. it was different. But and again, maybe I'd get used to it and even find benefits from it. But right, I just would have expected either like a vibration or a simulated press. Like yeah, I don't know how they would have done it, but that's what I kind of expected it to be, and it wasn't either of those things. Right. They went to pretty great lengths during the introduction and announcement of it to say that the Taptic engine, the part that runs this vibrator, is basically a very strong, like a very powerful, very precise actuator so that it, like a a normal vibration motor is just a little thing that spins within the Mm. phone quickly to like shake weight around. And the Taptic engine is a very, very precise, fast actuator such that it can basically just go... And like, it's actually the, the engine itself responding quickly and then quickly shutting itself off on a much shorter time scale than normal vibration engines and phones are doing. And so it comes across as a tap. And like, I've definitely felt that with some of the active or some of the notifications on my watch. 
is that it's not like a traditional, like a vibration, a traditional vibration mm. motor. If your phone vibrates, even if it's for a very short period of time, you can usually hear it. Whereas mm. if I'm wearing my watch, I can, I feel like I can hear it, but I'm pretty sure it's just me feeling it because nobody, even if they're right beside me, has ever set, gone like, oh, your watch vibrated. It's just me. Like even if they're right beside me in the quietest room possible. So it, it does seem different. And I haven't actually tested. I meant to test out at the very beginning. If you lay it down on the table or some, some hard surface and try to unlock it, whether you can hear that go through the table, but I haven't, I haven't tried that yet. Mike, I do want to get to your, um, I want to hear at least what your question is about tech support that you wanted yeah. to raise in an after show. Yeah. I think, I think we've all experienced this, but when someone asks you like a technical question, like it's like, oh, my computer is acting this way. Like, why do you think that is? Like, unless it's something we've experienced before, all the extent of my tech support is Googling the question and finding an answer. Cause this happened the other day when, when my manager was like, oh, my computer's like, we had an Excel spreadsheet and the pictures were disappearing. He's like, why do you think that could happen? Like, I, I don't know. Like, I don't see why that would ever happen. Mm-hmm. So I just Googled like pictures disappear in Excel document and someone had the same issue and gave, oh, control six seemed to bring them back. And so I told him that and sure enough, it worked. And he's like, oh, how control six, how'd you ever like think, like think of that? I'm like, well, I just looked up the question. And, oh, Nick, you already posted the link that I was going to post. That, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So just for our listeners, we have a relevant XKCD. Yes. Uh, posting, we sure so. do. As it's become custom, there's a relevant XKCD for everything. Yes. And uh, every so often someone's asked me a technical, like a tech support question, and I have actually forwarded them this yeah. cheat mm-hmm. sheet. Yeah. Like, and I don't know if you guys have ever read Tales from Tech Support on Reddit, but... Oh God, I have I love that subreddit. It's the best thing ever. And yeah, people on there would agree that a lot of tech support is either you've experienced it before, so you know how to Mm -hmm. handle it, or you know how to Google and look up how to handle something. My experience with this has been both of those things. Even if I have experienced it, it's, I don't necessarily, if, if it's been a while since I experienced it, my response is not, rather than going to Google, is to go into my bookmarks and find the link that I've saved million, like I've saved before because right. I've looked it up so many times and I'm like, Oh yeah, that's the solution. Like using, um, like with Excel after replacing my VLOOKUPs with index matches, I have, I bookmarked the page why index matches better than VLOOKUP because I always forget the syntax and I go look it up right. and I'm like, Oh yeah, now I remember how to do it. Yeah. But yeah, the, um, it, it is amazing. The only time my expertise, and this actually happened last night, the only time my expertise is kind of important is when you go, and I think there's another relevant XKCD for this. Uh, you go to Google and there's some guy who wrote about <laughs> yeah. the problem. And it was this like years ago and there's just no follow up about it. <laughs> yeah. And you're yes. like, I wonder if that guy ever got his answer. What happened? Yeah. What did you do? So, last night. Uh, I finally convinced Julia to let me install iOS 10 on her phone. It had, it's been oh. out for at least three months now, almost. So you can send her fireworks now? I can, yes. Nice. And so the problem that she'd been having, because she had tried, because Apple introduced this new um, update feature with iOS, I think it was with iOS 10, it might have been the middle of iOS 9, but uh, to let you schedule uh upgrade updates for between two and 6am or something like that, like some middle of the night time when you're not going to be using it. So you would have to enter your password, go through the whole protocol of doing the update. And it would be like, okay, well, we'll do it while you're asleep. And so she would do that. She would set it up and then she would wake up and it would be like, this failed. (laughs) And we thought, or I thought that it was because she didn't have enough space left on her phone because it was, she was constantly running into errors because there was just, she'd go into her settings and there'd be zero bytes available. It's like, well, that is a computer that's going to crash all the time. And so I deleted a bit of stuff last night and tried to do the process. She had a few hundred megabytes free and it still didn't work. It just gave me this retry error. And sitting there, I was like, I really don't want to have to plug this computer in to my desktop and run it through iTunes to update it. First of all, it means downloading the update again. It means potentially having to deal with um, reinstalling the operating system and losing all her stuff. I just didn't want to have to go through that unless I absolutely had to. And it turned out I went through the process several times and it just hung and wouldn't finish. 
all I had to do to fix it was turn off the phone and then turn it back on. And when I turned it back on, it took a super long time to start. And I was just like, it's doing the update now. I could, it behaved like a Windows computer. It was like, it just needed to be reset. And then when it started up, it did this, what it needed to do. Right. But it took months of actually like convincing her because she was just like, yeah, it doesn't work. And I was like, that, that is really frustrating. If I was non-technical person, I would be super frustrated. Being who I am, I would solve that within 20 or 30 minutes what, by doing whatever I had to do and then go through with it. Yeah. Rob, um, have you watched the IT crowd? Because I think we've I've seen about some. I think I watched at least one episode with you. And no, like a long time ago, I, I, I almost certain like when you lived it's at possible, least, but I doubt it. Um, I have seen it. I have but not it, watched it. Okay. Have you, have you heard the, like they answer the phone? Hello, it, have you tried turning <laughs> yeah. it off and on again? Yep. Yeah. There you go. It, that, to be fair, that shouldn't have solved the problem, but somehow it did. But it does magically no, but, yeah. like half the time. That's not the update pro- process for iOS. I should have had to restart it and then start the update again, and that would have fixed it. But this was like one step further. It was like all it needed was to be turned off for some reason. Yeah, that happened on Maria's phone before, and it had happened on mine, which is why I knew how to do this. Mm-hmm. That she was trying to do like a video chat, and there was no sound coming. She couldn't say anything; like mm-hmm. they couldn't hear her on their end, but she could hear them. Um, so she was mentioning that to me. I'm like, "Oh, did you try turning it on, off, and on again?" She's like, "No." So she did, and sure enough, it it worked. And and I don't know why, but for some reason, just I think the mic gets deactivated, or the process that runs it shuts down, and you have to restart the phone to get it started again. Yeah. But yeah, it's one of those things where like you shouldn't have to do it, but for some reason, it works. Mm-hmm. Actually, on the topic of this XKCD comic that I've now put a link to, that they'll I'll be they're building to a show notes in the show notes to both of these gets it gets more relevant the longer it goes because it references 2003 and when it was posted it was a while ago but now we're every year it gets further and further into the past and it gets better and better that nobody's answered (laughs) um but yeah i've definitely i've done this one with many many forum threads just like someone posted a question years ago nothing happened they never posted about finality of it and you're just like I have this exact same problem and you want to like reach out email this person and be yeah. like, what did you do? <laughs> I've, I have also experienced that, especially running Ubuntu. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Find one thread with one mm-hmm. person. And it, and it's your, exactly your exact same problem. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, and then just nothing, yeah. nothing <laughs> happened. That, uh, that seems like as good a place as any. Did we, do, do you feel like we addressed your, your point mike yeah we had the I, discussion I just wanted, wanted to have. to see if my experience was similar and it, it sounds like it was you wanted us to post xkcd number 627 that's what you <laughs> wanted and you got it that came that came to mind as i was thinking about this and yeah. i'm like i bet it's probably the same and yeah, sure enough <laughs> i actually when i get well whenever i've had an office that's one of the first things i print off hmm. and post to the cubicle wall or the wall or whatever yeah. it's always useful 